What's up, witches? Welcome back to another episode at the Corporate Coven Podcast. This is another episode dedicated to the Saturn return experience. In previous episodes, I've interviewed folks that have been through their first Saturn return. Maybe it was Saturn in Aquarius, Saturn in Sagittarius. And in this episode, I am so excited to be offering you the perspective of someone who has been through more than one Saturn return and who has also been working to help and support individuals through not only Saturn returns, but other major life-changing, transformative cycles that we often experience at specific astrological aspects. In this episode, I have the pleasure of introducing you to a helper with many names and many initials after their name. And in this episode, we will call them Mira. Mira was so fun to talk to. I say this a lot, and I mean it sincerely. I love this podcast because I get the opportunity to have conversation with some of the most brilliant and inspiring that I, I don't want to say that because it feels so cliche. I feel like you could say this at the beginning of every podcast, but because of mine, I get to work with people who are very passionate about what they do. Like I talk with people who are so satisfied in their career and who are, you know, really eager to go out there and to provide service. And they also incorporate spirituality and divination, ritual and magic, healing and growth, psychology, astrology, you name it. And I really enjoy, like, I'm always so honored that I get to be in these conversations and that I get to share them with my listeners because for so long, this is the community that I wanted. I wanted to be able to talk about professional development without leaving astrology at the table or at the door. And similarly, I wanted to be able to talk about more of these woo-woo type beliefs or practices while still honoring, you know, good data-driven ethical decisions and honoring that a lot of this work exists because of people doing hard work and they deserve to be compensated. And so therefore we have businesses and, and, you know, these more capitalistic or corporate type structures that are, are popping up in this space. And it's really about the intersection rather than the polarization of them. And that's something that I'm constantly exploring. And so I'm always so grateful. And in this episode, um, I'm speaking with someone who shares a similar background. Mira was so engaging and had so much to offer. And I'm really, really excited to let you listen on this episode. And before we dive into it, I let Mira introduce themselves at the beginning of the podcast, but I'm going to take time right now to read you a little bit from Mira's website. Astrologer, tarot reader, past life, and ancestral channel. Licensed clinical social worker Martha Rand, also known as Mira, has been at the New York Ren Fair for 40 plus years and a practicing therapist for nearly as long. She works with people to discover their soul purpose and heal current life trauma and understand past life wounds. On Mira's website, which I will link in the show notes, she says, I work with people who desire to step into their radiance, bring their creativity into the world with visibility, and own their voice courageously. 
In our work together, I am your guide, your coach. I support you in implementing the tools we have to fulfill your potential and your ability to live life on the path you chose and perhaps have been chosen for. The tools I teach my clients and that I utilize as well are drawn from modern and ancient spiritual practices. They include pleasure and embodiment, astrology, tarot, ancestral work, channeling, creative arts, movement and music, cognitive techniques, and ritual. I mean, guys, come on. Come on. Incredible, brilliant. Um, and again, like I'm thinking like the first time I ever met anybody who kind of gave off this essence of being an elder crone, someone who has been around long enough to even put, you know, 40 plus years experience doing anything and found themselves with both a very spiritual and grounded, holistic healing approach while also maintaining professional certifications and licensure and, you know, being able to accept like insurance payments in their business because it qualified as like a legitimate health experience. The first time that ever happened to me was in my master's program. It was 2015. And one of my professors, and it was actually the professor that I referenced in the Saturn and Pisces episode that I released my 100th episode. Nat, she was the first woman that I ever saw the first person I ever saw that really embodied both of these worlds. And it's what inspired me to commit to finding myself in a business and in a position to being a service provider where I maintained my professional counseling credentials and education, but used astrology, used tarot, used mindfulness and meditation, used crystals and sacred geometry and runes and energy healing and so on and so forth. And so I'm again, just so grateful that as I continue navigating this space, I get to interact even more with these types of individuals. And in a way I see a little bit of like my future. I hope I would love to one day feel um, so accomplished and so longstanding as really like, an elder in this community who has paved the way and made it so much easier for entrepreneurs like me and the people who will come after me to carve out a space in this world. So I could keep talking all day, but I want to get into the episode. Um, again, in this episode, we are talking about the Saturn return. You will hear a little bit about Mira's experience in her Saturn returns and how interesting the astrology can be. And you'll also hear a little bit about what Mira would say to a client coming into her practice, going through a Saturn return transit and seeking some additional support. So I'm so excited for you to get into this. This is one of the last episodes that I'll be posting in the Saturn return series. So if anyone is currently in their Saturn return, this is especially potent for you. And if you have finished your Saturn return, you'll find that these are still very helpful as astrology can be an incredible tool when looking back on our lives and trying to understand what we were moving through and what the opportunity and the lesson was on the other end of it. All right, let's get into the episode. All right. Good afternoon, Mira. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you doing? 
I'm doing well. Thanks. I know I kind of told you before we hopped on, but I've been in meetings all morning for, I love my day job, but it's still different to now be in conversation where I get to talk about something I'm so passionate about and to speak with someone else. We kind of have a shared background and actually maybe that's a good place to start. Mira, do you want to introduce yourself to the corporate coven? Sure. Sure. I kind of have two areas, two pathways that I've been following. Um, and as a Gemini rising, I think that's probably a natural uh, natural uh, way of going. So the first thing was that as a teenager, my mother taught me tarot and astrology. And I've been following that path and adding past lives and all of that. And I've had a booth at the New York Renaissance Fair for over 40 years, so that every summer, fall, I'm there. And then um, while I was doing that and I started teaching yoga, I started getting clients who really were, who really had needs that were beyond the scope of tarot and astrology, in my mind, that were really more mental or physical health oriented. And so then I went back to school and got first a master's in psych and later on an MSW because I felt as though my clients were leading me to get more educated. And so I've worked in a variety of institutions, including um, healthcare institutions, mental health areas, and education. So, and that I think shows up really strongly as like almost like a mission in my chart since I have Jupiter at the midheaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, we have that in common, the mental health background and pursuing higher, like more formal higher education and careers where we hold credentials. I know on your website, you refer to, to it as alphabet soup. And I laughed <laughs> when I read that because I definitely also have some of that alphabet soup with my, my name as well. But also incorporating more of that, you know, holistic or spiritual, more magical perspective using divination, incorporating like a holistic practice such as yoga. And yeah, I don't have um, the Gemini, but definitely I think when you see these like really prominent air signs, all of them kind of have this dualistic, it's me and it's this and, right? Yes. I see that so much in your career. Mm -hmm. I also wanted to... I wanted to know, I've shared this before, but whenever I get guests on the podcast and they were raised kind of in the occult or with that wisdom, I'm always so excited because for me, I grew up in more rigid ideologies and it was really hard to transition out of that faith and incorporate a new spiritual practice. And I didn't grow up seeing other people model raising children, or I didn't know a lot of other people who were raised by anyone outside of Christianity, really. And so for me, sometimes it's this moment of like, you turned out wonderfully. Like my, my <laughs> kids are going to be great. Like they're just fine. Cause I, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't see that modeled anywhere else. Yeah. I think, um, I think, well, first of all, the neighborhood that I grew up in, in Queens, I mean, Queens is an extremely diverse place mm-hmm. and I live and work in New Jersey and I work in Jersey city, which is another diverse place. And I really feel like that is so important to have 
that variety of people to interact with. Yeah. Um, in my home, my mother was raised to some extent in Protestantism, but as she grew into an adult, she became more interested in um, the Ethical Culture Society. And my father, who was raised Jewish, he really was not um, involved mm -hmm. in a religious sense. I mean, culturally he was, but not in a religious sense. Mm -hmm. And he was very anti-established religions. So they, the two of them got married in the Ethical Culture Society, which was one of the few places at that time mm -hmm. that would marry people from different religious backgrounds. Wow. And I know that in my neighborhood that that was that was different because you know I would have some kids from the Catholic school who would you know call me names which like I just couldn't I don't know I can't say I remember it but I can't say that it affected me. I didn't feel bullied I just felt like you know what are you talking about you know right and um then on the Judaism side we would often be invited to like Friday night dinners the Shabbat dinner because I had this feeling and I maybe this could be a projection but I just had this feeling that Jewish families were feeling like Oh, well, she's she's sort of Jewish, but she's not being raised mm -hmm. in the Jewish faith. We sort of have an obligation to provide some cultural background for her, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this obligation. Let us teach you the ways. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But my mother was, um, she was, she didn't really... She never mentioned anything about like the astrology and the tarot until I was around um, 13. And I happened to clean out this trunk in the mm -hmm. basement and found all of these books. And I didn't even know that my mother had um, had any knowledge of this. And there was a different name in the book. So I found out a lot of things. I found out that she had been married before, oh, that her wow. first time died in World War II oh. and that she had come back after that to live with her mother-in-law who actually taught her astrology. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So the exploration, I'm curious then like how easy or what was it like to adopt that in your own practice? Like you saw mom do it, but it also came up with a few other like, you know, things about mom and then what was your transition into, yes, this is for me as well. I'm going to also use this, especially as a professional, you know, being exposed to it personally, but then choosing to use it vocationally is something different entirely. So what was that like for you? So what I found was that um, like in high school, you know, uh, there were always people who wanted their cards read, you know, oh, yeah. we were generally like being at a party and we'd be like in somebody's bedroom, you know, and people would come in, it would be, it would be like a lot of fun. Yeah. And then when I got to college, um, I went to a city university. So it was mostly a commuter school. It wasn't like, um, and it was a big school. I mean, if there were 40,000 students in the school, I think 
you know, that's like around the size, maybe yeah. even more if you considered um, part-timers. Yeah. But at that time, there were a lot of young men who were either avoiding the draft from the Vietnam situation mm-hmm. or come back from the military. And I would often sit in the student union, you know, where everybody got coffee and snacks and whatever. And I would read cards for whoever sat down. So I had this experience of reading for people, for just everyday people, but also for people who had had traumatic experiences. Mm -hmm. Seeing that there was a huge benefit in kind of looking at the cards, seeing what the cards had to say, taking that in and moving forward from that. And at the time I was an art and theater, I was majoring in art and theater or I was taking only art and theater courses. Um, And I didn't really have the thought of, of moving into counseling or anything. But that's, in a sense, I felt as I was doing it retrospectively, I felt that I was kind of drawn into that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I know for me when, because I, my faith transition happened around the same time that I was at that age where I really started focusing on vocation. I was in undergraduate school. And I went to a similar university actually for undergraduate. It was more of a commuter and it was really big. We had about 40,000 and there was no on-campus housing or anything. It was a mix of like, you know, professionals and younger students and stuff like that. So I was actually very similar. Um, But it happened like my, I left the religion that I was raised in and started exploring other belief systems and ideologies. And this is really when I started exposing myself to yoga and meditation, as well as astrology and divination. I didn't quite get into tarot until my master's program, but it took me a while to kind of figure out, like, you know, I was doing psychology and then I was doing more like spiritual development type things in tandem, but very separate from each other. And it took me a while to kind of, and I'm still figuring out like, how do I merge these worlds? Like I remember my first day in my master's program having this like strong feeling of like, I'm going to do this, but with astrology, I'm going to incorporate it because I was kind of learning them around the same time. So they just very naturally married. Was that similar for you? Like you were in school and you were studying these things and you were reading for people. Did you know you wanted to combine them? You know, I didn't know. I mean, sometimes I'd be sitting in the student union, you know, and I'd be doing this and sometimes people would, you know, tip me, you know what I mean? I didn't really ask for payment or donation or anything, but just sometimes people would do that. Yeah. And, um, and so then I sort of had the idea, well, like I, I might be able to make a living at this, you know, I might be able to go in this direction in some way, Mm -hmm. but at the time um, I did not have counseling or anything like that in my mind. I had art, I had theater, I had movement. um, And certainly, you know, I I don't know if you were ever involved in like, you know, college theater or something like that, but college theater people love astrology and tarot. Yes, they do. So, 
you know, I didn't feel like a separate kind of thing within that domain. When I started doing my master's, um, I was already like in my late 20s. It was just around my first Saturn return. Mm -hmm. At the same time that I was doing my master's, because I knew from the private clients that I had had that I wanted more training, that there was more to understand in terms of counseling and being a therapist. Yeah. Um, at really the same moment was when I start when I got my booth at the New York Renaissance Fair. So they were always parallel paths. Yeah. Though and and I remember I remember in graduate school, I didn't do a lot of talking about it. I think some people knew that I did this, some people didn't. It wasn't like I didn't try to make a thing about it. Mm-hmm. But I do remember that on one of our um like graduation essays, we had to take comps or something like that. There was an essay that was um, explain the structure of an intake. Mm. The model that I used, even though I didn't use these words, was the Celtic cross spread. Wow. That, you know, you start out by looking at the person, observing, seeing what they come in with, then you look at what their current situation is. That's the card that covers. Uh-huh. You look at what their issue is. That's the challenge. You look at the past because they all have a history. Mm-hmm. You look at their goals because they all have a future. Then you start to explore what is kind of underlying, you know, why at this moment are you coming? Yeah. And then you know, what's on top, you know, what's the... Is there a spiritual piece? Is there some other kind of cognitive piece even? You know, and so I remember very distinctly going, oh my God, you know, this is like, this is what the way I'm writing this question, you know? Yes. Yeah, they just very naturally go hand in hand. And I was was laughing when you were talking about, um, you know, college theater folks love like divination and things like that. I wasn't in... I didn't do theater, but it's funny to me because my roommates did. And so I had all of like my roommates, friends from the theater program were always in my apartment. And I actually started as a dance major. And then after the first semester, I switched to be a communications major. And I thought I wanted to do marketing. And it was because I was constantly around the theater people in my apartment asking each other these like Jungian type psychology questions, you know, like picture a body of water and this is something about you now, or, you know, pick an animal and this is what it means about you. They were doing that stuff so often. And I was fascinated with it that I changed to be a psychology major. And so my pathway really was influenced by, uh, yeah, community or like college theater, but not because I was in it, but because I was just surrounded by it. And they definitely inspired my curiosity and like the human psyche and these ideas of archetypes. And we're just kind of playing out storylines and using specific symbols and imagery to convey you know stories and and all these things so I loved that and you mentioned your Saturn return so I kind of want to transition because we're going to talk about the Saturn return in this episode and Mira you and I were talking before we started recording but for everyone listening I am committed to bringing Mira back for another episode because there's so much that I want to talk about 
For this one though, we're going to talk about Saturn return and something I'm really excited about Mira, that you're bringing a perspective to that I haven't had from other guests is that you've been through more than one Saturn return and you are a Saturn in Libra. And so this is going to be very different from some of my recent guests that have only recently wrapped up their first Saturn return. So I'm excited to hear your perspective and kind of what it was like. Um, But first you shared a little bit with your chart since we're talking about astrology. Do you want to share your big three with us? Sure. Sure. I have Gemini rising, which I think I said already. Mm-hmm. I have Sag as my sun and my moon is in Leo. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. full moon. No, wait, sorry. No, you're saying no. no, my bad. I was like, okay. <laughs> Gemini Sag polarity. And I was like, oh, the opposition there. You also uh-huh. shared, you shared your Clifton strengths with me, which you're yes. potentially my first guest that even knows what their strengths are. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. felt um, when, um, I guess it was 2014 or 15, I took um, a program to get my provisional principles uh-huh. certification in the New Jersey school system. And so one of the things um, that they focused on a lot was understanding your strengths uh-huh. and then also as a coach in some of the coaching programs the where I've been working on, well, this is actually from about the same point in time, around 2014, when I first started training as a coach. Um, one of the coaching programs, just shout out to Conspiring Women by Jen Walper Roberts. She had everybody in the program do their Clifton strengths. Yeah. And that was just so helpful to... Um, to have some knowledge about. Yeah. I love the strengths finder assessment. I see so much value in it. It was an assessment that I was introduced to my freshman year, actually in undergrad. And then it's continually like kind of popped up or resurfaced, whether because of my own initiative or just the nature of the work that I do. And my pilot episode on the podcast, since we're recording this in the same month that I'm celebrating my one year anniversary for the podcast, my very first episode- Thank you. My pilot was about (laughs) strengths in the natal chart and actually tying a lot of the excellent research around the strengths finder assessment and understanding its correlation and kind of its origin in astrology and in more of that alchemical, you know, relationship to the elements. And, you know, I've done some readings around that. So I have your strengths in front of me. Do you want me to read them for folks or do you have them? Sure. Sure. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yes. So your top five Clifton strengths are intellection, empathy, ideation, strategic, and learner. And I love the water air type of dynamic in the Clifton Strengths Finder. Gallup has these four domains of leadership and a lot of yours fall into either the strategic thinking or the relationship building, which I've correlated with the elements of air and water and seeing- Uh the prominence of air in your chart with the Gemini rising, but also you have Jupiter in Aquarius sitting right next to your Pisces midheaven at the zero degree. I'm like, yes, this is that air water strength coming through for you vocationally and having Jupiter on the midheaven, a natural thinker, but a natural teacher as well. Jupiter comes in and illuminates things for others. And 
you have so much of that in your career, but also just, I can feel it so naturally from you being able to use story to kind of convey messaging to others and to help them connect dots. That's kind of that strategic and intellection, right? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I, I have often felt as though I come across in many professional situations as the water sign. I mean, I remember during the lockdown period where we were doing school online, which was very difficult for both teachers and students, particularly in the middle school where I was at that moment. Uh And um, I remember that with, you know, there were many kids who were having difficulty managing their academics and had difficulties in the home because it was such a stressful and difficult time for people and families in general. And I felt as though at every teacher meeting where I had, you know, where I was involved in some way because a student was having difficulty, Mm -hmm. that my perspective was, you know, right now, we really need to demonstrate compassion. You know, the academics will need to pick those up maybe at a later time. But right now we have to demonstrate compassion because people are doing the best they can possibly do Mm -hmm. in a situation that nobody anticipated and nobody had been through before, you know? Absolutely. So I felt like that was my repetitive mantra at, you know, all the meetings, which I felt was, I felt like that took a lot of pressure off of the teachers because of course their role is to make sure everybody gets to a certain level academically but within this particular situation there had to be a different kind of flexibility and fluidity yeah definitely I think it's important to bring that perspective especially when you're in I mean I would consider education similar to healthcare or other environments which can tend to be a little bit more rigid and lean more into the, you know, tasky metrics driven, you know, we're looking at graduation rates, we're looking at accomplishing certain things, sticking to strict timelines. And so inviting more of that, I'm going to call it like the divine feminine or leading through with a really strong water quality of um, even the mutability, right? Like we need to move through this. We need to be agile and kind of flexible and really be present with what is and acknowledge yeah. that this is really difficult. And yes, education is important, but like the student will struggle to be successful if we don't meet them where they're at first. Right. I think it's mm-hmm. so important. Well, yes. speaking of kind of being prepared for things, I know that you were kind of like raised with like an astrology perspective. So do you feel like when you were going into your first Saturn return, did you have a lot of knowledge around what that meant or that you were even like going through it like what was it like going into your first so I was aware of it coming Mm -hmm. and I didn't know what to expect I mean I had seen from other people that I had read that um, in some cases it was dramatic you know and I was preparing for something dramatic to happen you know and I think um, I think one of the things that I have my Saturn in Libra, so Saturn is exalted there. Mm-hmm. So I think that sort of modulated 
some of the, um, you know, some of the sort of more difficult issues. Yeah. Um, and on my Saturn return, I was anticipating that there would be something to do with conflict with authority, with having to like have some big issue in terms of maturity and responsibility. Uh -huh. And right on my Saturn return, for the first time in my life, I never had a ticket. I never like was, you know, caught speeding. I never had anything happen to me. And that particular night, I had gone into the city for, you know, some celebration, you know, and I brought my car. Yeah. I parked my car and I came back for my car and my car had been towed. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, this is my Saturn return. This is my confrontation with authority, <laughs> you know. Right. You weren't and following the rules. <laughs> right. I somehow had missed the rules and I had no oh, idea. No. I mean, I had never been through the process of retrieving your car from a tow thing in New York City. So that was a huge learning, you know, and yes. having to be responsible for this piece of equipment, you know. Yes. So, yes. So that was that was what happened, like sort of right on right target. On Wow. And so, I mean, you were saying before, like, I was expecting something really dramatic. Did the actual experience, like did that moment, um, how did that compare to your expectations? Like, did it feel like the drama was brought with it or was it better than expected? Like, how did it compare with what you thought it would be like? Well, you know, I was a little nonplussed by it because it was such a, um, it was such a, Oh, agency driven, you know, I mean, like uh -huh. motor vehicle agency driven situation that yeah. I was just like, this is this is going to be my Saturn return. It's just like this car thing, you know. Um, So I felt like that was um kind of a letdown. But when I look back on it, what I was also doing, which was uh -huh. not a one time targeted situation was that I was opening my business at the Renaissance Fair yes. and I was in graduate school. Mm -hmm. So I was really looking at how I was going to be in the world, yeah. you know, what, how things were going to be for me, what kinds of, I mean, the Renaissance Fair I've been at for so many years, you know, yeah. since, since that first Saturn return, I'm still there and, um, and I'm still working in, counseling so those were huge mm -hmm. events but spread out over a longer time as opposed to that single one day target yeah of the Saturn return yeah and really finding something to commit to this is something that when I do career conversations with people and they're kind of moving through a Saturnian experience it really is about is this what you're willing to commit to you know, yeah. if you think about investing in something that will grow and be sustained over a longer period of time, which is what Saturn is concerned with, right, is the time commitment to things, then seeing you like kind of at that point in time in this, the first Saturn return of like, I am committing to this. This is what I'm going to be doing. Um, and this is, like you said, how I want to show up in the world. In a whole sign house system, you don't have Saturn in one of the like traditional vocational houses being the second, sixth, and 10th. But this is what I tell people. 
Saturn is always going to have something to do with your career because of that sense of like, this is it now. This is my entry point into adult life. Like, what's it going to be like for me? How am I going to move, excuse me, through this? I'm curious too, like, what was the the comparison to the second one, your second Saturn return? So let's see, the second Saturn return, let me just find that up here. Um, So I really had a good time. I think um, I shared with you this whole chart that I made because I I have just always wanted to go through using Saturn uh-huh. to see how how it was operating in my life in a sense. Absolutely. So the second Saturn return was um, in two thousand nine. So 2009, around there, there was um, there was a situation where, you know, also, I just want to say that, you know, since my Saturn is in Libra, I think um, that brings to light a whole spectrum that's related to social justice, Absolutely. which I really hadn't thought a lot about that when I was growing up, I mean, I was exposed to like a bunch of different sort of non-traditional religious um, areas and, um, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, and a great deal of diversity, you know, but Mm -hmm. it was something that I, that was part of the fabric of my background. So I didn't really think about things like social justice, you know, it didn't really enter my mind. And, um, Certainly, from from the first Saturn return, a lot of my work before that and for years, even up to this day, has been about working particularly with women mm-hmm. and with with issues that are related to women, what holds women back, what are the societal issues, what are the internalized um societal issues, patriarchal yeah. issues. Yeah. And um and this in the second Saturn return, I was working in an educational environment and I was literally <clears throat> waiting to get tenure because there was an admin who was um who had uh I don't know who had made it his um his idea to prevent me from working with some students who had sought me out hmm. and three girls and there was um an issue around whether they were getting an equal amount of opportunity to speak up in a particular class and to be recognized in um, math and sciences, Mm -hmm. which is unusual. I mean, I wouldn't say that this educational environment had any overall structure that was trying to prevent girls or women from moving forward, but there was just in this particular class situation. Yeah. And... I had to wait. I literally had to 
kind of move through this, do as much support as I could. And as soon as I got tenure, I brought the issue up to my boss about what was happening. And we actually had to have a sit down meeting to, to figure out a way to shift the dynamics here along with my supervisor and this other person's supervisor. Yeah. So it was very interesting to me that there was such a social justice moment yeah. at that time of my Saturn return. And because of that, I think um, within that particular educational setting, um, you know, and it took a lot of courage yeah. and stamina to confront a situation like that, Absolutely. particularly because everybody else had sort of the attitude of, well, he's just like that. You know what I mean? Yes. You know how that gets to be people get used to people being a particular way. And I yes. was relatively new and felt that this was really not an okay dynamic to yeah. preserve. And so following that, about within the next year or so, New Jersey had established, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there are different anti-bullying laws in the schools mm -hmm. um, in a variety of different states. And New Jersey was the first state, I believe, that had that. Oh, wow. And so then there became a new, um, a new role in every school called um, the anti-bullying specialist. And so I was asked to take on that role, yeah. which I held for about four years. And again, that was so tied up in all of these issues of social justice within an educational environment. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, so I felt as though at that second Saturn return, things that I had been educating myself about, working with clients mm -hmm. about in other mm -hmm. situations, really surfaced so strongly and just was like, um, opened up a pathway yeah. for me to take on a role that hadn't even existed before. Yeah. You know, so- well and I was thinking when you were saying that, I was like, that is the initiating power of Libra as one of the cardinal signs, the ability to begin something new. And I've said before too, I have like a Libra at work podcast episode. And in that one, I was talking about, you know, I see Libra as like the rules in design. There are rules, you know, there's the Fibonacci sequence, there's, you know, the color palettes that go together or don't. And there's these rules to make something aesthetically pleasing, but in relationship dynamics, there are also rules. <laughs> there are rules of engagement. If you want to be my friend, then this is what you need to do. Or if we're going to be work colleagues and this is how you need to treat me. And I was even hearing in your kind of the journey. I know you talked about, you know, going into your first Saturn return, thinking this is going to do something with authority, with governing bodies and something like that. And the first return was kind of like, gotcha, like Saturn gotcha. You didn't know about <laughs> yes. this rule 
and we're going to hold you accountable for it anyways. And then in the second Saturn return, it was like, okay, I'm going to influence the rules. I'm not just subject to them. Now I do understand the rules of engagement and what is fair, right? And I'm going to come forward and I'm going to now empower myself to begin a new way of interacting. And so I'm really curious, like, well, you know, how is this continuing to evolve and what is like the next step of that? But I love, I love that kind of journey of like, oh, okay. First Saturn return rules were imposed on me, but the second Saturn return, I'm going to come forward and I'm going to make the rules now. It makes me think. I appreciate, I really appreciate the way that you framed that. I hadn't really looked at it from that perspective, but thank you so much for framing it in that, in those terms. Yeah. It made me think a lot about the quote. I think it gets, I think it's Picasso or something. I had a mentor that used this a lot, but it was, you need to learn the rules like an expert so you can break them like an artist. And that's what's coming up for me as well of this idea of like, okay, I learned them, but now again, I need to influence this. Here's my creative leading with that empathy strength, but also like we, we need to fix, we need to think about this, right? Like we need to fix this and this isn't how it should be in the workplace. And then beginning something new again, that initiating power of Libra. So I love, I love that experience and that evolution, you know, those Saturnian lessons are so key and they really like lead us later on in life. Right. And there's so much, um, from my perspective about strategy that went to, um, you know, working with, a reasonably large organization to to um, be able to influence change uh-huh. and figure out how to how to connect with a variety of stakeholders in the situation. Yeah, absolutely. I know for so many people when I've talked with them and like, you know, pulled on my Instagram or, you know, I had the experience where I was really into astrology when a lot of my friends were beginning their Saturn return, or even I was one of the older ones in my cohort in my master's program. So folks that were younger than me, like they, you know, I went through mine first, I was actually doing my master's in my Saturn return. And then all of my peers that I graduated with went through it right after. So I was telling them like, oh, you're going, you're going to go through it. This might be what comes up. But so many people are freaked out by it, like really nervous. You start throwing out keywords like, you know, transformative and pressure and, you know, growth, the becoming of an adult. I mean, these can sometimes be really intense and we don't always have a healthy relationship with authority. So the idea that you know, the great authoritarian in the sky is going to come forward and it puts some pressure on you. That really freaks people out. And I'm curious, like now that you've been through it, what would you say? Like someone comes to you and they're just like, Mira, I am about to start my Saturn return. And I am so worried. I've been reading all these things about it. Like, what might you say to them? So, well, I mean, first I would take a look at where their Saturn placement was and what was going on in terms of what house, what sign, what aspects. Mm-hmm. But I would I would also talk about the fact that there's been a pathway that's been leading to this because yes. it doesn't seem to me that in many instances that if you look at the entire 
um, array of steps towards the Saturn return, that there's something like a culmination of that, you know, which is not so surprising, but has more of a quality of like, oh, I I see where I'm supposed to be in the universe. I see what I'm supposed to be doing here. You know, it shifts something about your values as well as your activities in the world at that moment, or it illuminates something about your values Mm -hmm. and then shifts something about your activities is the way that I tend to, to look at it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you might have something sudden that happens. Your car might get towed. You might have some other thing that happens. Yeah. But that's not the that's not the end all and be all of really what 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 the process is of yeah. your Saturn return. Things have been leading up to it and things will move forward after it. Yeah. That's so important. I want to repeat that again of you know there is a journey that you go on with Saturn. It's not just like out of the blue, you're in your Saturn return and there's just tons of surprises, even though there might be some surprising things, there have been like breadcrumbs or indicators or key themes that it's really just a continuation for the Saturn and Pisces generation. I got this visual of like, we started dripping the water and it's been a continual leak this entire time and maybe the pipe is about to burst, but we've known the leak has been there. Yes. Right? It's been yes. Do you mm-hmm. have any specific thoughts around like specifically the Saturn and Pisces generation going through it right now? Well, um, you know, I think that with the Saturn in Pisces that, um, that there are so many dreams and expectations that people have had for a couple of generations yeah and that at this particular point in time that these dreams are now diffuse they're hard to achieve there's not a step by step there's a kind of jumping from one rock to another in a body of water, maybe if you're going to move to some sort of a goal. Mm -hmm. But I feel as though there's been a lot of shift that has changed around what, what do you need? What do you really need in order to move forward? Mm -hmm. And many of the people who I see as, um, role models of success have not gone a traditional route. You know, they just haven't gone. Let's go to high school. Let's go to college. Let's go to graduate school. There has been some other dream, internal dream that has pushed them forward. Yeah. I also think that there is um, a, I mean, just with, in so many places, the observance and certainly in some places, the acceptance of a wider array of the way people express themselves at the moment, yeah. whether it's through gender or through artistic endeavors 
or through social mm -hmm. and political means that very strong formative experiences have been the impetus to move forward. And some people have been fortunate enough to, in addition to that, to get those um, credentials mm -hmm. of education. But because of the way that things are now, economically and politically, not everybody is having the same opportunities that previous generations took for granted, mm -hmm. um, that there's something about that dream that pushes people forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm like, that seems to be a lot of what my clients, but I'm also like, well, I'm a career person. So that, that is a lot of what my clients are stating. But again, I just am a firm believer that no matter where you have Saturn in your chart, if you're going through a Saturn return experience, it is going to feel like this, like kind of like what you mentioned before of like, how am I going through this life? Kind of what is that internal drive and motivation, especially when you start feeling like things are out of reach. I think especially about artists and creatives, you know, just today, the day that we're recording on this episode, I was seeing some headlines coming out around the is it the writer's guild that's like formally striked? Yes. And so there were actors leaving premieres to stand in solidarity and just with different things happening either politically or with technology or culturally or whatever that is, uh, you know, there's a lot of this fear around what's going to happen to the artists, you know, worried that children are going to be disencouraged to pursuing artistic pathways and professions when AI is doing more artwork than they are doing or something like that. And especially with Pisces being this, the way that I see it, like this very spiritual, but like an artistic expression of that divinity. What does it sound like? What does it feel like? How do you immerse yourself in the gorgeousness of like living, you know, in that nature of connection that transcends language, but we feel it on more of this, like we're somehow all connected to the, like this cosmic thread that's why we're drawn to creation and to art, you know, right? And are we losing that? Are people really believing that that's a realistic pathway when there seems to be barrier after barrier? You know, what do we do with these children and these students that want to move out and do that, but they just don't think that it's attainable anymore, right? There's, well, there's I'm glad that you brought that up, especially involved with the film and, you know, television industry, because- mm -hmm. Pisces, I always think of Pisces as having to do with that, the dream of film. You know, yes. I mean, film is like a dream. Uh -huh. You know, TV has that dream quality in many, many shows. I mean, of course, there's documentaries, you know, which maybe is a slightly different form. But yeah. Yeah. But certainly there is that dreamlike quality. And right now, yes, something is an obstacle or a barricade. What what I think I'm seeing, and I, I'm not sure that this is um, completely accurate, whether I have a broad enough view of this, mm -hmm. but that people are having to think much more entrepreneurially 
Yeah. If they're going to go into the arts or film to think more clearly as rather than I'm going to go get a job for this with this network or with this studio that, yeah, I might have that job. I might get that job, but that if I'm going to say something, if I have something that needs to be said through this medium, uh-huh. I have to think in terms of how do I find my own backers? How do I find the way to produce this? It's a very, it's it's not, it's not like, um, it's not like an actor or director or somebody in that field saying, well, I'm just going to stay in my lane. Uh-huh. It's like, no, I'm not going to stay in my lane. I'm going to flow into a lot of different areas in order to put together mm-hmm. the art that I want to show in the world. Yeah. I'm borrowing some like Saturnian language here, but I'm thinking of like, what do I need to materialize this dream and taking extreme ownership and accountability of bringing it to life? Yes. That means committing to it, driving it forward and making it a priority. But again, having that ownership, the accountability of this is my dream that needs to happen and not waiting or resting for someone else to come in and do it for you, but really like, yeah, just driving it. Yeah, and also I think with the um, with the ruler, if you think of the ruler as Jupiter, mm-hmm. you know, traditionally, that you also are creating community, yeah. you know, so that not only, I mean, you might see in terms of a film or a play or something that people are creating community with the actors, but you're really having a much broader sense of, who is your community? Who is your audience? Yes. Who are the people who can provide you with the financing? You know, and Pisces has so much um, spirituality to it, you know, and about is often about sending a particular message of... Um, I'm not sure whether community is the right word that I want to say, but um, but definitely um, of having groups of people together. Yeah, that I think we're seeing it in much much more in terms of the way that social media operates. Yeah, and the way that people people's reach is different than it was say, one-on-one going into somebody's office to have a conversation. Right. Yeah. I think about that transition from Aquarius to Pisces a lot because I hear you. Like I do think that both of them are kind of driven with the sense of connection. For me, I think Aquarius is like, well, I feel connected to you because you think what I think. Whereas Mm -hmm. Pisces is like, I feel connected to you because you feel what I feel. Yeah. And it's the I way like that, that we create community, but it's, it's like, you know, as a Saturnian ruled sign Aquarius is like, there's still boundaries here. You know, I risk DE and I, I know that you're someone where you specialize in, or you have DE and I on your website. So again, that diversity is, is something that comes up for you and you've been trained in, 
But the idea of Aquarius is like, well, here's our identities. Are they similar or different? Whereas Pisces comes in and breaks it all down. It's like, yeah, but we're all human, baby. <laughs> we're all <laughs> cosmic creatures here living in this ecosystem together. And so honoring that there are differences, but then also respecting where fundamentally we are all the same and that really like beautiful connection point. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I know that, um, People that are listening are probably like, I'm going through my Saturn return. And this is actually someone that I would love to speak with. Mira, do you talk with people often going through their Saturn return? I know that you talk with people in transition, but what's that like? Like, how are you working with clients right now? So I'm definitely working with clients who are going through their Saturn return. Um, I work with clients both through Zoom and online Um, If you are anywhere near the New York area while the New York Renaissance Fair is going on, that's a place that you can meet me in person. Um, The online, working online is, that's my goal is to transition um, to the working online that I've been working on for the last year or so. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I can work with greater time and with more um, specificity with people who are looking for something. And I combine often for people who are looking for, I think about the Saturn return as also having something to do with your soul purpose, Saturn, definitely. And so um, so I, I will look at not just your chart, but we might also get into other areas that have to do with spiritual areas Mm -hmm. or even more strategic areas about what it takes to move in the direction that you wanna move in. At the fair, I see a lot of clients, but my time is very, if you've been to different kinds of fairs, you know, Uh my time is limited often by how many people are waiting for me, you know, or, Um, what the weather is, or, you know, just a variety of different things that could be going on on any given day. So I welcome meeting people in person, but I feel as though we have more opportunities for going in depth if we set up an appointment for a specific amount of time and then can work together that way. Absolutely. I'm going to link your website and um, a few other like links that I think people will want to check out on ways to connect with you. I know that you have, uh, you know, astrology and tarot and coaching and you, you, so this is like a preview because absolutely Amira, I need you back on the podcast. We were talking before the recording started about um, vocation and working with people on career development. And so I know that you also have some real practical and, you know, still like we can be woo woo, but there's some real strategy and like practical application of good theory and techniques that will help people not just identify that sole purpose or that sense of calling, but absolutely like now that I know this, what do I do next? What are those next steps to actually attaining that and achieving that? Mira, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was, yeah, this was so enlightening and it's fun to hear again, like What's the journey going through this Saturn return? I've only been through one and it was great. I was expecting something very dramatic as well. And it's not to say that there weren't moments of drama, but ultimately (laughs) 
it was really wonderful and definitely um, committed to a lot in my career as well. So thank you for sharing your personal experiences with, with the coven. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate the questions that you asked. I really appreciate the way that you framed things. And I just, I would be so happy to have more conversation with you around some different areas also that we both find important. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So listeners of the coven, thank you so much for joining Mira and I, as we talk about the Saturn return Saturn in general, I hope you found it useful. Again, if you want to connect with Mira, I will link that in the show notes and until next time, we'll see you later. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Corporate Coven podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and gained valuable insights into the world of personal and professional alchemy. If you want to stay updated on the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and turn on notifications. I'd also love to connect with you on social media, and you can visit my website, www.thatwitchfromwork.com to find other ways to connect and work with me. I'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics, so please let me know in the comments on this episode what you're interested in. Until next time, keep working your magic and casting spells of success in your career and life.